and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back in dub mode and ready to talk some A-League women's after a bumper round with a lot of talking points, a lot of bangers, a lot of great goals, another incredible debut. So plenty to talk about and we cannot wait to get stuck into all of it. Before we begin, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Back by unpopular demand, it's me, Marissa Lordanik, and as always, Sam Lewis and Angela Christian Wilkes. <laughs> so no Harrow today. She's off on a well-deserved holiday. So you've got the three of us, and we can't wait to talk some dub. So let's start with some you love to see it. Like I said. A round of bangers. What a round for the banger. Angela, what did you love to say this weekend? Was it a banger? It sure was a banger. Also, just before we get like feedback, yes, I sound like shit. Okay, I was full of last <laughs> week. I'm going to sound like this for the rest of the episode. It's not my microphone. It's just my raspy, sexy, post-cold voice. Um. Anyway, now we've gotten that out of the way, we can talk about the juicy stuff. Maya loved to see it this week. Annalie Longo, well, known also as Flea, I love that nickname, scoring for the Knicks this weekend. Um, <clears throat> this was her first game for the side. She's really wanted to, uh, for those who don't know, she's a you know, former, well, I think it's not a former fan. She's been injured. Anyway, played for New Zealand at an international level, has played at the dub before. Um, Victory fans will be familiar with some of her work. Um, And she has signed for the Knicks this year. She's their captain. Um, And this is something that she holds very close to her heart of being able to play professional football in New Zealand. And she got her first appearance, her first goal, and what a goal. Oh, so, so good. This was in um, the Knicks' 2-1 win over Brisbane, which, first of all, like, Nix's 2-1 win over Brisbane. Ah, what is going on? This round was crazy. Um, and, yeah, she's just like it's individual brilliant. She runs towards the goal, does this, like, cheeky little step over to turn and, like, bamboozle all of Brisbane's defence and just puts her laces through it and top bin so good. Ah, it's, like, excellent. And, yeah, I love um, Longo and watching her play. She's such a, like, fun midfielder and she's got such a spark about her and she can pull off, like, incredible goals as well, as we can see. So, yes, um, good for her. Uh, what a return to the league. And, yeah, absolutely love to see it. We do love to see it. And I remember a friend of the pod, Ella, tweeting about the Phoenix, which I was like, that's the good shit. That's I like that stuff. That is very good. Um, So we absolutely do love to see it and we love to see the Knicks winning as well. I'm going to very briefly gloss over two more bangers because they were sensational and they came from the same game. So Holly McNamara scored an absolute beauty for Melbourne City. We know what Holly Mack does, so it was completely unsurprising. And Carly Johnson for Western United also scored a banger. So that uh, game ended in a 2-2 draw between Western United and Melbourne City. So that could have ramifications later down the line. But in terms of two excellent bangers, they were stunning. Go check them out. Sam, did you also love to see a banger this weekend? I sure did, Marissa, and it was a banger from another living legend, I suppose, of women's football in this part of the world. Uh, It was Cassidy Davis from the Newcastle Jets on the occasion of her 132nd appearance for the club, which overtakes Tara Andrews now for the all-time leading appearance maker and extends her record as the most consecutive appearances in the history of the dub, scored just her second ever goal. <laughs> you know, it's a law of large numbers. You'd think that she would have scored more, but her second ever goal in their 1-1 uh, draw against the Western Sydney Wanderers, it was an absolute worldie. It was just a crazy kind of like bending of physics. The ball is really badly cleared from a Wanderers defender around the top of the box. It kind of spins wildly in the air. It falls like in a perfectly straight line down towards Cassidy Davis, who for some reason is stationed just outside the box. 
and she just puts her foot through it and, and in, a, in a just a kind of a well I, i'm here let's just see what happens and then the ball just absolutely rockets into the top corner and the entire stadium was it just lost its mind i lost my mind alone in my house it was incredible it was an amazing moment for cass davis um and yeah, and a, a real sort of um, bright spark, I think, for the Newcastle Jets as well. It was it was crazy. So yeah, Cass Davis scoring her second ever goal. You love to see it. We do love to see it for friend of the pod. Also, every time I remember her consecutive game streak, my brain just stops for a little bit. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Since her debut, she simply has not missed a game. That's insane. Like, what a record. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on because otherwise I will spiral out of control with that one. Um, <laughs> let's stick with that game though because, yes, Newcastle won, Western Sydney won. In terms of actual football, eh, it was fine. Vicky Bruce's header opened the scoring and then, as Sam just mentioned, Cass Davis's stunning goal levelled it up, meant they shared the points. But that wasn't really the biggest talking point of this game. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Western Sydney uh, youngster Talia Eunice became the youngest ever player to make her debut in the A-League women's. She needed a special exemption to play because she was under 15. She broke Sam Kerr's record. And we were all like, oh, my God, this is insane. This is probably never going to be broken again. Cue a couple of weeks later, we have broken it again. And it is another Western Sydney player, um, Ishia Brooking, 13 days younger than Talia Eunice was when she broke the record, has now made her debut for Western Sydney, has made her debut in the A-League Women's and now becomes the youngest ever player to start in this competition. And we like to ask for questions on a Sunday night and basically almost all of your questions in between the how did Cass Davis do that was um, questions about Ishia Brooking and what this means for the dub. Should we be celebrating 14-year-olds debuting? What does this actually mean about the Wanderers? Are they, you know, becoming a youth development factory or are they having to rely on literal children? There were so many questions in and around this, so this is where we need to start the conversation. So how are we feeling about Western Sydney giving debuts to two 14-year-olds that they needed to get special exemptions for in basically back-to-back rounds i feel quite uncomfortable (laughs) about this um so for those okay so for those who kind of don't you you're similar to me you don't really have a numbers brain like a number is kind of just like like scratchings on the paper it doesn't really mean anything shout out to friend of the pod andy howe statistician extraordinaire uh, who gave us some a really good way of contextualizing uh the appearance of both eunice and brooking uh so talia eunice was born the day after Sam Kerr's first ever A-League women's appearance. And Brooking was born on the same day as Kerr's first starting appearance. And until the two of them made their debuts, Sam Kerr was the youngest ever player to play in the A-League women when she was 15 years old. So that gives you a good sense of how young they actually are. Um, I I feel uncomfortable about it for a couple of different reasons. One is a, is a sort of a club specific reason to the Wanderers, and one is a sort of bigger development structural reason in Australian women's football. So, like to the first point, I I think it's a it's a pretty bad look for a club that's as I've mentioned in past episodes that is as big and has as big of a player catchment area as Western Sydney to be depending upon two 14-year-olds that they had to get exemptions for, as you said, Marissa, because there are rules around age limits and, and the, um, the age at which you have to make a, a debut for this professional competition. Is there no one else? Like, it, like how hard are you trying to find players in your area or even across the rest of the country in order to avoid this problem? Because... 14 years old is like you're still children and being thrown into a competition like this, being thrown into professional training environments like these is not always healthy. It's not always conducive to players at that age developing, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. 
Um, there are, uh, I think, pretty valid concerns about the kind of culture and environment within the Western Sydney Wanderers. We talked about it after Cat Smith was uh, departed the club um, 10 days out from the start of the season. Obviously, the Wanderers aren't the only club that has this issue, but you know, you need to be extremely careful with young players like this, especially players who are very talented for their age bracket. You don't want to be throwing them into the deep end and hyping them up too much. And Marissa, we were talking off pod about um, the similar kind of way in which, um, well, it wasn't a similar kind of way, but when Kyra Cooney Cross was at Melbourne Victory, she was still very young, but she wasn't really sort of, she was protected, I think, very well by Jeff Hopkins and, and by the club. They knew that she was a young player. They knew she was talented, but they knew that she needed extra layers of bubble wrap around her in order to ensure that she didn't kind of spiral off into the deep end. Um, it doesn't really feel like that's what the Wanderers are doing with these players. I'm, I don't really know what they're doing with these players, um, but I think it is reflective of, of the fact that the, the club really hasn't tried hard enough to find um, players who are within the age limit in order to fill out the depth of their squad. I think that's a club problem. But I think the other part of it is, you know, these are very talented players for their ages and they, uh, there's a, I think there's a generation of players now in Australia where they are too good for the NPL, um, but they're not quite good enough to, to secure sort of like, um, like I guess starting regular starting sort of opportunities in the A-League women's and they're just a bit too young to do that. So like we lack a a level of football in between those two um, competitions for players like this to participate in. And I think about it in contrast to the men's pyramid where you've got the A-League men's competition at the very top and then you've got club academies and these kinds of players of these kinds of ages would usually be playing in an academy, but we don't seem to have them here. So, like, they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Like, you want to accelerate the development of these talented young players, but there isn't really a, a an age-appropriate competition for them to be playing in at this time of the year because the MPL is over and the only thing available is the A-League women. So by virtue of that, you know, they, they kind of had no choice to just throw them into this. Um, hopefully in addition to being part of a future Matildas program or a junior Matildas program or something else with the national teams. Um, but it just, I think that that element of it speaks to the fact that we are still really lacking in terms of having actual structures in place um, for these players to develop um, consistently week in, week out at a club sort of um, level not just national teams sort of floating in and out and doing it every now and then, but consistent club-based football at an academy level or at a, an under-20s level or something um, in the same way that the men have. So it's a, it's a, big, it's a big complicated question. Um, I feel uncomfortable about it. I think probably a lot of other people feel uncomfortable about it as well. Um, and I wonder how much of our perspective on this um, it has also kind of been a little bit warped over the years because we have had the tendency to um, debut very young players, including a number of the current senior Matildas, as we mentioned before, Sam Kerr debuted when she was 15, um, Van Egmond, Caitlin Ford, they all came into the competition when they were very young. And so we're kind of used to that. Uh, and maybe that that has kind of normalised the the conversation a little bit. I'm not sure. But what like, what do you two think? I don't like it. Uh, I think, like what you've said, Sam, how hard are the Wanderers actually trying if this is the, not just the last resort, but this is the second last resort. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is after Clegg, like Millie Clegg last, um, when the record was broken, what, two weeks ago? Um, yeah, 13 days ago. 14 days now. Sorry. This is not uh, counting with Count Dracula or whatever. Um, anyway. The, the my point is is that they did that because Millie Clegg wasn't um, good to play, um, yeah, and now she is good to play, and so it's like okay, so you've what? Surely there are warning signs early enough that you need to be getting in more train-ons to your squad or like making moves. I don't know, and I'm also like, oh, so you can't do that, but you can do the paperwork to get. Um, yeah, a kid over the line to play 
I don't know. Obviously, that's that form is easier to fill in than to actually recruit. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I uh, feel a bit iffy about it. I feel like, um, feel free to correct me here, but Ellie Carpenter was probably the last, like, Matilda that was thrown in the deep end and was left there, I think, from a really young age. Um, Because, yeah, now we actually see what we saw with the Kyra Cooney Cross. She was a gun, but she was, like, that was handled in a very particular way and and carefully handled. And that's not to say that that wasn't the case with Ellie Carpenter, but I just feel like she's the one that comes to mind in terms of getting substantial and ongoing minutes in the A-League women's when she was still a teenager, whereas for the most part, I don't think it's like it's not done anymore because it's not best practice. Like, yeah, it's a bit. And and that's not to say as well, um, is she a Brooklyn? Like she, this might be one of the few times we see her this season. Um, but on the other side of that, then it's like, okay, so this wasn't actually a deliberate, there wasn't actually, this wasn't part of a d- developmental plan as a player to actually get her out there for this game. Um, so I don't actually, it, it, when you were saying, Sam, you're like, reason number one is my issue with the club. And I thought you were going to be like, I hate the Wanderers, (laughs) (laughs) which I mean, it kind of was that, but like you have receipts, uh, you've got, (laughs) you've got evidence (laughs) for your, your dislike of the club. I think fair enough. Cause yeah, I'm also like a bit icky about it. Like they shouldn't be getting plaudits for this necessarily they should get plaudits for developing great players when they do develop great players but this is not that you know anyway I know I don't uh, it's it's tough being a negative Nancy but you know someone's got to do it Marissa yeah I don't (laughs) hatred look hatred is a strong word but I like the my my thing against the Wanderers is that they have so many resources at their disposal and they just seem to be perpetually in a state of spiraling and then they don't they just don't seem to know what they're doing which is what's the most frustrating part because there are so many clubs across the A-League women who would kill for the kinds of resources and facilities that the Wanderers have the kind of catchment that they have in terms of players and uh, and they they just they just seem to waste it and it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it's because you're a, a gal from the west that you have these strong feelings. I feel you're, exactly. You're I'm allowed to be mean to people from the west because I am from the west. But anyone else who's mean to the west, you can come through me. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Um, I keep thinking about like because obviously we celebrated. Talia Eunice's debut I think it was a how good on one of our first episodes this season and part of me is like if it had just stayed stayed at Talia do we look at it as like quirky exception and nothing else but because now there's the second player and Ishia Brooking has also made her debut and all of a sudden it's like oh we're gonna keep we're gonna turn into the children's league like uh, um a little bit uncomfortable. But, and with the full home and away, yeah. you know, last round of the season, we might see a fetus. Okay. <laughs> so this has to, we have to nip this in the pod. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, just when will, when, where's the, where's line? the line? Okay. Where's the line? <laughs> Fresh out the womb, straight into a wanderer's kit. Um, That's not what we want to see. But yeah. um, That's how we get baby merch. <laughs> that's how we see this <laughs> it's it's true it's true um yeah but no my thought was mainly what Sam was talking about and how like we like our current perception of good players is that they debuted really young as evidenced by a very good chunk of the current Matilda's team um and then I'm even thinking about you know like a Mary Fowler being called up to the World Cup squad at what sixteen? Um, Kyra as the kind of more dub example. Like, uh, it really is. Do we have just exceptionally talented players that are ready and actually at this level, and it's not gonna muck them up in any sort of way, or is there just nowhere else for them to go? I don't know. I also wonder, I suppose, the um, the point between the two generations, if you will, is that, like, 
when Sam Kerr's debuting at 15, there's literally nowhere else for her to play. <laughs> like, literally nowhere yeah. else. Have we not developed in the, what, 15, 16 years since Sam Kerr debuted? That's maybe cause yeah. for concern, that we do not have any sort of improved structures so that yeah. kids don't have to play in the A-League. And, that's, like, I think there's probably still an element of there will be exceptionally talented youngsters, but letting them actually come in when they don't have to get special exemptions to play is maybe step one of making this a little bit more, um, I don't want to say safe because that has really weird connotations, but that's kind of what I'm going for. It's actually good for them, good for their development in the long term because that's the other thing. Like these, these girls could have ridiculously long careers because they debuted at 14 and you know they play 20 years in the dub or whatever it is or they could crash and burn by next year and it's like it's a lot of responsibility um and Mm. I'm just hoping that everyone that needs to do right by these girls does do right by these girls because they're they're kids we've got to look after these kids um Shall we move on to some other <laughs> football? Because that was, like I said, most of our questions on Twitter were basically some variation of what do we think about these debuts. So we'll move on to some other bits and bobs. We'll move on to victory to Adelaide Neil because, Angela, you were at that game. You did say you were enjoying it as a fan, but... What did you think? Before the international break, we were talking a little bit about, like, should victory be worried? They're 0-2 to start the season. They've now got that win. They've kept the clean sheet. Are things now kind of moving as they should be for victory? Yeah. Um, I think just in terms of if, what we can kind of take away from that game, uh, they're just looking a bit better overall, which is nice. It just seemed that things were clicking. They were playing a bit. Like people knew where they needed to be. It's a bit more cohesion, a bit more chemistry. And that I think is the most positive upshot. Um, I know that. <laughs> so the stats on it were really interesting. Um, I can't remember Adelaide's stats, but they were good. Uh, but victories was like five out of, sh- they had 20 shots and five were on target. I'm like, no, okay. That's Tilly's ball, so- baby. <laughs> yeah um and the goals that they did score like the actually to be fair quite well worked um the first goal from Wiener like the assist from Rachel Lowe she's um really great to see her settling in and I think really finding her feet um and the kind of like inclusion of KK very stabilizing effect I think for the midfield because you don't have um yeah to like Alana Murphy and Rachel Lowe just trying to do everything they can kind of focus on the things they're good at because you've got someone with that experience and that yeah I guess just composure on the ball and and game insight to lead in the midfield but um yeah in terms of shots uh, they're like a lot of great opportunities as well to be fair shots on target isn't always a good indication of like how good the opportunity was um yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm now thinking of that and I'm like, after the game, Tom was like, what was the XG? And I was like, who fucking cares? And he's like, I care. And now I'm like, oh, this is why we care. This is why we care. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> What's that meme you sent the other day, Marissa, that's like, I have to, I need to sit. I need to apologise. Oh, the, the Shaq one, I was like, I'm sorry, I was not familiar with your game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so, like, let me get to the point eventually. Um, the in terms of the the opportunities they've created, they created, and how they created them, it all looked a lot more positive for victory. Adelaide, uh, I don't want to say it, but I don't think they're very good. Yeah, I don't think they're very good, and I don't know. Like, there was, it was weird. Like the first half, they had some near like. They nearly had – they just looked a bit better because I think they were able to catch Victory on the counter. But then the second half, it, like, they sat, Victory sat deeper and just, 
like Adelaide couldn't get anywhere really close to the goal. So it was an interesting one. And like, to be fair, and like there was one good shot, I think, and, and Lids was on that. So good to see her in like form. I don't know. It feels strange. Like we normally when we see Lids, she's playing for the Tillies and not really doing much at the moment because she's not like Macca's our number one. So, um, and I haven't really, yeah, she hasn't been getting minutes at club level recently. So that's really nice. So I'd be like, oh, she's still got it. Oh, look at her go. Love it. Yeah. Um, and also not um, hurting herself. We love that as well. So in terms of, yeah, a lot to take from it, I would say for victory, uh, they really need to uh, finish. <laughs> better that's the the upshot I think Adelaide I uh, don't know I'm sorry girlies but um I I I hope they can um improve from here uh but I'm not really sure like at the moment I'm not sure where those areas of improvement would necessarily be because they do have some really great players. They've got players like Holmes who are showing up and doing good things, but the it's just not meshing across the whole field. They did it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, Adelaide, but I also want them to do well so that we can actually do circle of dub because if they don't win a game, then it won't work. So I uh, really need them to, to get amongst it at some stage. In saying that, Every team has a point at the moment. We were talking about this pre-pod. The 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 yep. ladder. <laughs> she is she is interesting. And and for fans who are like new to the dub, I think, yeah, go have a look at it. Because it doesn't always look like this. And it <laughs> who knows? It might change. It might go back to the say, like, you know, resume to the norm. But at the moment, like Perth top of the table. That's wild. And Nick's what's winning? I love that for them. Yeah. Yeah. We Canberra, I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> stop it. And that was the ladder with Angela Christian Wilkes. But the ladder is actually a really good segue into talking a little bit about that Perth Canberra result because Perth did get the win 3 2 over Canberra. It was really heading towards another Canberra. Perth chaotic kind of game like if there were another three goals in this I wouldn't have batted an eyelid because those teams just love to play out a 4-4 draw but the fact of the matter is Perth ended up getting the win Perth topped the table it's 3-0 three, three and oh to start the season Perth? question mark Sam? yeah yeah Perth right? wow where'd you come from? I mean, it's been a couple of seasons, right? And I think uh, when we preview Perth every season, we're like, is this their season? Is this their season? But it finally feels like it might be their season. Yay! We finally potentially got one of our predictions right. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a wild game still. Um, it was a 3-2 win right towards the end. Uh, it, it's, I think it's the, first, it's the first win for Perth in Canberra against Canberra, I'm pretty sure as well, over the extremely long history of these two clubs um which is fantastic and yeah it, it was a it was a really I think a really exciting performance from Perth you know we've sort of gone through the last couple of seasons with this team and there's always kind of been something missing and I you know whether it's sort of been you know a, a sort of a, a resolute midfield or a, you know a, a really good goalkeeper or you know having a really solid number nine or you know they've always kind of not had one of the final puzzle pieces in place, but I think they 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 might have done it. They might have figured it all out now, which is fantastic. It's so exciting to see. It's great to see some of the the players who've been at the club for a long time, uh, kind of like really coming into their own. I think Hannah Lowry's really doing something different this season. She seems to have gone up another level physically. Um, she's very brave on the ball now. Um, she's very, yeah, she's um, able to sort of hold her own in that midfield, which is really cool. Uh, uh, Sophia Sakalas, I think, is another player who's kind of like been in a, in a sort of like had potential all the time, but now I think is maybe kind of finally realising that after a, a, you know, a little bit more consistency in terms of a preseason, things like that as well. Um, the addition of Grace Jala, I think, has been really important for them too. Um, they've given, or Grace has given Perth someone else to kind of aim for. 
Whereas in the past, I think they've only really had one player. They've had to rely on transition football, counter-attacking football, because that one player has been particularly quick. But now they have a little, like, they got more kind of outlets to goal, which is really great. Um, yeah, and they just they just sort of seem to have some good, just solidity across the whole field, which is, which is really cool. Um, and as for Canberra, I mean, I think Canberra, their game against Perth, I think, was better than their game against Melbourne City. Um, it does feel like they are starting to click a little bit more. It feels like particularly uh, Cote Rojas is starting to find uh, and understand her role a little bit better in this setup, um, even though it does kind of come at the expense of Milivojevic somewhat. Um, Michelle Heyman didn't really do a huge amount. Um, kind of, yeah, it's a little bit of a fading game from her, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was a good game. It was a good game from two good teams, um, and ultimately it was the team who was just a little bit better that won, which is how football tends to go. <laughs> and thank you for the introduction to football, by Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think the other thing is usually at this point in the season where like, oh, so Perth are like three and zero, you know, blah 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 blah. Um, but there's so much more season to go. Like this could mean nothing or this could absolutely be the start of a very successful, dare I say it, glorious season for Perth. Um, And that's really fun and exciting to think about. But shall we move on? We have two other games that we haven't mentioned, but we did talk about Wellington beating Brisbane and just how good it is that the Knicks are winning. We love that. Um, obviously, they were playing at the cake tin. They got to do shirts off at the, is it the 80th minute? Like, we love to see that. And then we obviously had Western United and Melbourne City playing out a 2-2 draw. Do we have any quick takes on either of those games before we move along? Um, I just want to riff a little bit more on Holly Mack because, mm. man, what a player, you know, and, and it just reminds you of, like, if if she hadn't torn her ACL, where would she be in terms of the national team right now as well? Particularly given kind of the almost the flatlining at Matilda's level of Courtney Vine. You know, you see a Holly Mack sort of coming up the rear, like that scene from Jurassic Park where they're looking backwards in the rearview mirror and they see the gigantic T-Rex like barreling towards them. I feel like that's Holly Mack with Courtney Vine. <laughs> Um, so exciting. What a player. Um, clearly, like every time you watch her, she's just... She just operates at a different speed to everyone else, not just in terms of her physical speed, but her speed of decision-making as well. Like she just knows what she's going to do every single time before anyone else does. Um, and and that's that's excellent. That that sort of anticipation and that planning is is so exciting. Um, yeah, that was another cracking game as well, City and, and Western, and another Victorian derby. Um, good to see both of them sort of going at it. Even though City had most of the ball, I think um, Western sort of, yeah, I don't know. They they they're obviously not the team that they were in their debut season, but they they haven't fallen off the wagon quite as much, I think, as what maybe some of us were. I don't know, wondering, um, particularly given the 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 double job of Mark Tacaso now, who's been going back and forth between Western and the Philippines. Um, yeah, thought it was a great game. Cool to see Holly Mac back. Love it. They've got Hillary Bill coming in soon they do. as well. They do. She's got yeah, she's back. Which. Yeah, uh, but, you know, I'm close friends with Delos' uh, father, so that is, no, he was the guy I met at the game a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, <laughs> so that is kind of sad. I feel like she's been doing a really good job, but she she is also, uh, I think, a bub. So Hillary Bill would be a massive inclusion for them. But also, Grace Morris, centre-back, when will the madness end? Why is this still like that? And that's not me talking shit. Like she does yeah. her job there, but I just find it so strange that like there's, she's increasingly not being played where she is like a proven and very good quantity. Anyway, that's not my business. Mm. Um. Also, it was probably worth mentioning any other season, uh, 16 year old Avani Prakash debuting would have been a really 
big talking point because she has a lot of yeah. um a lot of people say a lot of really positive things about her a junior junior Matilda yeah. um youth international so really yeah. excited to see more of her stoked that she has now gotten her dub debut but um apparently she was two years too old to be you know talking about young debuts um, but no, really excited to see her. Also, just really quickly, love that we keep seeing more minutes into Chloe Legazzo. And while we were talking about victory, Emily Gilnick made her return to the dub um, after just what seemed like an awful injury run. And we spoke about KK as well. It's just really nice to see all of these Matildas kind of getting back into some sort of consistent playing. Because I think the problem with the national team is, especially when you've got the long-term injury, like. People miss you, but then you're gone for so long. It's like you forget how they play and what they actually offer. So it's really nice that we're starting to see and remember what these players can actually do. So hopefully much more football for all three of them, good spells of health, no more injuries. Um, Also, we're segueing left, right and centre here. You mentioned Mark Torcaso and his double job. Do we want to talk about the Emma Hayes news at all in terms mm. of uh, potential double jobs? Because the news seems to be that she has all but gotten the vacant US Women's National Team job. She's announced that she'll leave Chelsea at the end of the season. And basically everyone's like, well, it's obviously because she's taking the US Women's National Team job. What? How do we feel about her potentially juggling the two jobs? Do we think she's the right fit for the US women's national team? And I suppose also just it's really been an era of Hayes at Chelsea. Like she's been there for ages. She's done almost everything there. Like it's kind of bananas to think about a Chelsea without Emma Hayes. So does anyone have any thoughts, mm. feelings, onions on the, the Emma Hayes news? Yeah, I I think most people probably expected Emma Hayes to springboard into national team football at some point. Yeah, she she'd pretty much done all there is to do at club level with Chelsea, aside from win the Champions League, which is something that she'll probably use this final season to give her the biggest crack of all. Um, so I'm not surprised that this has happened. And I'm also not surprised that it's the USA that have come knocking because outside of Serena Wiegmann, Emma Hayes is probably the best coach in women's football, you know, and she is not just a really good tactician. She's not just someone who has a proven track record of developing players, but she's also someone who takes um, the lives of players off the field really seriously so, you know, introducing um, conversations around periods at Chelsea, um, making sure that they've got all the right sports scientists and, and nutritionists and psychologists and all the things that you need off the field to help a professional athlete be the, their best selves. Um, I think that is a really, really important part of why the USA have gone for her, uh, particularly the relationships that she's built with other staff members. So apparently Denise Reddy uh, is going to be going across to the USA with her as well. Denise Reddy's been helping behind the scenes with a lot of this stuff too. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really exciting, and I I I envy the I envy US soccer to in in having the resources to be able to just go out into football and be like, you know what, you you are who we choose, and are able to find a way to lure that person to them. Um, apparently, it may, like if it's confirmed, of course, Hayes could become um, the highest paid coach in women's football uh, because of the collective bargaining agreement that was signed between the, the women's and the men's national teams. Um, she's going to be receiving the same salary as Greg Berhalter, who's the, the men's national team coach, about $1.5 million a season or a year, sorry, uh, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, and apparently there's sort of family reasons and stuff tied up in all this as well. So yeah, I think it's, it's a fantastic move. I know I'm, I'm kind of, um, a little bit nervous about what it means for the USA going forward because they're going to be an absolute weapon. You know, this is a, a moment of clear transition for them as a team. Um, and, and in terms of their generational shift as well, and having someone like Hayes coming in who not just cares about players as players, but cares about players as people, 
that seems to really fit nicely with the kind of ethos of the US women's national team at the moment as well. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, a really cool thing. Um I think the big question going forward is what's going to happen with Chelsea? Uh, how do you step into the shoes of someone like Emma Hayes? How do you make that club your own when it has been built in the image of this one person who has brought so much success to it? And what does it mean for some of the players? Uh, what does it mean for Sam Kerr, who was lured there by Hayes a couple of years ago uh, and uh, has become the best player, one of the best players in the whole world because of Hayes' coaching? what's going to make a player like Kerr stay now that she's gone? You know, it's, they can throw all the money that they want at, at her, but, you know, it's about the people behind the scenes at the end of the day. So what does it mean, not just for players like Kerr, but players like Fran Kirby and, and others who have really, really relied on Emma Hayes um, emotionally, psychologically over the last couple of seasons as well. So, yeah, it's a huge moment of transition for lots of different people. Um, and I'm really curious to see how it's all going to shake out. I'm going to refrain from commenting while I'm still hasty on the details. Sorry, the, the whole time Sam's saying all this articulate stuff and I'm like, I've got a job. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I think, yeah, you spoke to it really well, Sam. Um, the, uh, you know, can, relevant comparison I'm feeling if she does end up at um, – U.S. Women's National Team is, you know, when Ange went to went to Spurs, you're like, oh, I want him mm. to do well, but I don't want them to do well. How <laughs> yeah. do we manage this? Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, I don't. It's it's it makes sense, I guess. It makes sense, um, and I think there'll be so many like again this is all speculation but I feel like most people feel like it's probably happening right so uh if she yeah if she is going to the US there'll be so many eyes on her I think that would be a really cool thing as well I think it will um like how when was the last time that um this kind of coaching appointment would have generated this much interest but I am the main thing for me I'm like surely you're gutting for Champions League if like it's all in everyone's getting on board to try and make that happen um because that's yeah that's really just the missing piece in the puzzle at the moment for her and her accomplishments at Chelsea so yeah that will be uh very interesting and that will obviously gonna it's gonna be brought up one million times now um, by every commentator on every Chelsea Champions game anyway yeah Emma Hayes leaving Chelsea very interesting times extremely interesting time speaking of Ange, my first thought was um to borrow a a phrase from friend of the pod mike wise she's gonna rock their worlds like she's going to rock the u.s women's national team's world and it's gonna be awesome and i love to see it and then what you were saying sam about like what did chelsea do after such a sustained period of one success but it kind of being built around the image of that one person i was like i've seen this film before i'm a manchester united fan it doesn't end well there's just a giant Fergie-sized shadow hanging over that club, so there might be a giant Emma Hayes-sized shadow hanging over King's Meadow, but we'll see. Good luck to them is what I say. Um, Let's keep moving. Uh, Quick boot? Yes? No? We were really, listeners, we were like, did anything really bad happen? No? I mean, we really put the boot into... Wanderers, mm, which we did. is unlike us. <laughs> um. I think this might be a a no boot week, friends. A you bootless can, week, yeah. and isn't it just a such an interesting reflection of like how normalized boots mm. have become in the dump that we have a week without one we're like this feels really strange everything was kind of fine what do you mean everything there's was not kind even of fine. like an injury that we can do. like everything seems <laughs> to be okay and like the yeah. boots the kind of segment really that like in an ideal world doesn't exist so let us enjoy its yeah. absence for this week and instead move on to some how goods angela do you want to kick us off with a how good yeah, uh, 
Canberra breaking their attendance record at McKellar Park. How good. Uh, I got a um, text message from my dad who was at the game um, with a photo of the – so at McKellar they've got the main stand. Um, I think – oh, my God, I can't remember. They filmed that one, but, yeah. No, they don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, they've got two they've got a grand like a grandstand on one side which is members seating and quite often that's um packed to capacity because um Canberra United fans are massive nuffs and very committed and um they'll get down and get in their allocated seats a lot of the time for home games. But um the other side they also have like temporary like kind of like metal seating and my dad sent me a photo of that and it was very full um while the team is still finishing their warm up. And he said, last season, there was just me and a couple of other SLBs on this side of the ground. And I was like, what's an SLB? And he's like, sad, lonely bastard. <laughs> and yes, was good, even though we lost. <laughs> Expected. Crowd, 2,250. So they have, um, and he also sent me through uh, the link. So they have topped the last time they had a crowd this size was in the 2012 grand final at McKellar. So that was Canberra, Brisbane. Um, and that was 2,512. And then the official figures, I cannot see for the life of me on this, but anyway, it was bigger than that, bigger than the 2000 in, in, in the end. I don't know. I don't know how they calculate these things, but anyway, good to, Thumbs up. Sam, do you have the exact number on hand? Okay, no, okay. I'll find the exact number. We can come back to it. That's annoying. Well, I have the one for the 2012 The exact number of what? Of the crowd on the weekend? Yeah. Oh, Marissa has it. Does she have Uh, it? Please have it, Marissa. I've always got the numbers occasionally. Uh, Occasionally. Uh, According to the Liberty A-League, 200... 2,229. Then how is that bigger? I'm not a maths girly. <laughs> Guys, we're, we're fighting a battle against the numbers and we're losing, but it was, um, it was excellent to see a record crowd at McKellar. Um, but it, it like, what's the issue? Is it a record crowd or no? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Uh-oh. <laughs> let me re- let me research this and get back. And if it's not a record crowd, we'll bin it. we can. We'll no, we get a broken that story wide open. <laughs> Are we? We're, we're doing investigate. Investigate. I can't say that word. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, should we move on? Angela's going to research. Sam, do you have a how good yeah. from this week? I do. I do. I do have a how good. Um, speaking of the Women's Super League over in England, I uh, just wanted to give a little shout out to Steph Catley, uh, who opened the scoring for Arsenal in their 2-1 win against Manchester City uh, overnight. Uh, it was a cracking goal, also assisted by Caitlin Ford. They've just been like, you know what, Matilda's uh, just going to go over here and fly for like 5,000 days and then land and then play and then help to win the game uh, in a really important game as well. The first loss for Man City all season. Um, and it was an absolutely wild game as well. I think there was a total of like eight yellow cards. The referee was real generous with the cheese. Uh, there were some. There was a penalty that was that was given away by Man City's young goalkeeper, and then saved like spectacularly by the same goalkeeper as well. And then she in the in the second half she went and just did an absolute brain fart and gave away the next uh, the the what was ultimately the winning goal to Stina Blackstenius. Um, crazy game. Um, packed out crowd, really good football. Uh, Steph Catley scoring, I think it was like a third goal for Arsenal, third, fourth goal, I don't remember, but it's a very, very small number. And it was just lovely as well. It was a beautiful little twist and layoff from Caitlin Ford around the top of the box. Catley was barreling down the left. She was completely unmarked. And she was like, you know what? I'm just going to like take my time here. I'm just going to take one, two little steps and then just like side foot it. It was, it was such a casual kind of side foot, but it had so much power on it. And it just hit like the the, the inside, um, like side netting as well. It was it was stunning. So yeah, shout out to Steph Catley scoring a goal for Arsenal. How good. It was a banger 
on a weekend of bangers. Also, I just really like that Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford are like, we're best friends in the Tillies and we're best friends at Arsenal and we're just going to keep assisting and scoring and assisting and scoring like best friends. And like, it speaks to me. I absolutely love it. Also, um, I've said this before. I was so angry at Gareth Taylor last season because he wasn't starting Kennedy or Fowler. Now they're starting and I'm like, thank you, Gareth. Thank you for this gift. In a game like this, as an Australian, I can't lose. I'm always winning, baby. I'm always winning. And that's what I love to see. Angela, do we have any confirmation on numbers? Are the APL dirty rotten liars? Uh, no, I was lying. I think I just made that up. But they broke the record. I got so excited. But it's very close to that highest ever record, so we can be happy about that. I'm so sorry to listeners. Um, wait, so you're saying here. that you, you're saying that the game on the weekend did not break the record? Is someone else saying that it broke the record? The because Liberty A League stadium. The A-Leagues, the actual A-Leagues are saying that they they posted at 6.30 last night that it was a regular season game. Oh, not a finals game. That's that's where we've gotten it. Angela just gave a real, like, stare at the camera, like Jim from The Office. That's very, that's, yeah, yeah. That's how they get around it. That's how they weasel their way out of it. But you know what? That's still nice. Oh, my God, no, it's. So yeah. yeah, it's just need to read things before I repeat them. <laughs> it's been a lesson. <laughs> two thousand five hundred is bigger than two thousand two hundred and twenty nine. There you go. It's quick maths. Um, <laughs> that's quick. On maths. a serious, taking several minutes. It's quicker than what we would have done. We are not numbers people. We've literally like that should be the tagline of this podcast. We are not numbers people. We will talk to you about football, but not numbers. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> We're not numbers today. people. <laughs> not numbers people. Um, but like on a genuine serious note, like we've had four records broken in the first three rounds of dub. Like Central Post had that fantastic um, crowd for their return uh, to the league. We had the Sydney FC crowd that was absolutely bananas. Brisbane broke a record. Canberra have now broken a record. Like the vibes are good and I love it um and I think it's really exciting that you know somewhere like McKellar that has a capacity of I think it's 2,000 ish it should be hitting 3,000 it should be hitting 2,000 like every week this season like that would be Mm. a really positive sign that things are growing and things are expanding so um, I tweeted it. I'll say it again. Long may this growth continue because it absolutely rules. But um, that's us done for today. Maybe just skip over the math part, listeners. Um, you, <laughs> you don't need to see our thought process in um, happening and unfolding in real time. But thank you, as always, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Remember to get your questions in on a Sunday night so we can then answer them on the following week's pod. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify and Google and all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we're doing, subscribe and leave a review. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, slayers!